developing your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Hi there, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and across the Six Nations as Europe's elite go head-to-head in rugby's oldest international competition. Each week, we'll be looking at the QBE predictor, which forecasts the results of each round of matches. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe now and download wherever you get your podcasts. As always, thanks for listening. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm David Marsland, and this is The Leader. Professor Green, musician, documentarian, restaurant owner. The 37-year-old from Hackney is hard to define, which makes him fascinating to speak to. The Evening Standard's Jimmy Famuera caught up with them for the latest edition in our lockdown sessions. They talk about the impact of the pandemic on our mental health, how our young people are losing out on valuable life lessons by not seeing their friends, and the launch of his pop-up pizza house Giz and Green in Shoreditch, which opened in the middle of the Covid crisis. An extended video version of this interview is available on our YouTube channel. Just search for The Evening Standard. For today's lockdown sessions conversation, I'm joined, I'm very happy to say, by Professor Green, a.k.a. Stephen Manderson. How are you? Stephen Manderson, a.k.a. Professor Green, whichever way around. Stephen Manderson, a.k.a. Professor Green. (laughs) It's funny, I get called Stephen more now than I do pro. Um, I know. Yeah, I was going to say. I was going to ask that. Which do you? Which do you prefer? Oh, Stephen. I'm not like Meatloaf who walks around insisting on being called Meat, which I, I do kind of love. When I got the name Professor Green at 18, it was funny because people who knew me as Stephen would call me Pro P, and then as I started to do well in music much later on, some 10 years later, um, I've definitely done my 10,000 hours. Yeah, definitely. Like, who I didn't know calling me by my government going, Stephen, like, on the roads. And I turned around and be like, like, I, felt like, I always felt like I was in trouble instantly. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? And I'm like, do I know you? Not in a rude way, but like, because you, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, you know, it was weird. Yeah, so people, like, yeah like, it seems like it brings a familiarity. But, yeah, um, but that's, I guess that's, that's my fault for being so personable. <laughs> I think so, yeah. But you, you joke, but you are personable and you are a amazing uh, advocate for better conversations about among many things mental health and that was um that's something that we want to be the focus of this conversation and you've you know as well as being a musician you've been the figurehead of these acclaimed documentaries and films that have tackled everything from child poverty to suicide and to the white working class and disenfranchised men in the UK. Um, obviously, we are talking over Zoom. We are in the midst of the third lockdown. That um, It's had a, I don't think anyone could argue that it's, it's had a detrimental effect on people's mental health. How do we go about looking towards solutions and making sure that the, that the pain that's already 
already been caused isn't you know um, isn't furthered as we kind of continue to work our way through this thing I think it's incredibly challenging I think what we're going to see is the continuing effects of what this is what this has caused as far as people's mental health and, and well-being you know people yeah. have lost their lives people have lost their relatives I mean it's going to be incredibly difficult to manage I think encouraging people to seek help is is important but it's facilitating the people that need help that's going to be the challenge you know you look at how overstretched our services are now my partner's sister is um she's a surgeon on the nhs and the hospitals are you know they people are doing double shifts you know they're yeah. being moved yeah. from because there's no elected surgeries they're being moved into a and &E and they're, they're, they're having to work double shifts how do you how do you think that there's a lot of talk at the moment particularly about um young uh, children and missing out on school and the things that you miss out on just from kind of attending classes in person and people falling through the cracks i mean as far as you know education people can catch up i think if you were mm. if you were in an exam year it's probably had more of an impact yeah uh, i think education wise people can catch up but I think the lessons we we learn from each other as kids, you know, are what people are missing out on. I mean, imagine being a kid and being, you know, it, the fear of of contact. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know, not being able to see their grandparents. Why is it not okay for me to hug Nan? Why is it yeah. not okay for me to hug Granddad? Yeah. You know, why can't I see my friends? What questions? You know, you can answer for children, but they don't really have the tools to to, to navigate this situation in, in a way that we do as adults. Yeah. With that said, it's hard enough as an adult. You know, yeah. you can say, oh, well, they're kids, they're oblivious. They're sponges. They're absorbing all of this. Um, and it's probably, I can imagine it's quite stressful for everyone that's having to homeschool or, or everyone that has the fear of, you know, people who are working on the front line, my partner's sister, she has a child. He has to go to nursery. So she's working on the front line. He's going to nursery. Someone comes, yeah. you know, there's, there's, so, there's, I think there's just a lot of fear everywhere. Yeah. Not, not helped by repeatedly being bashed over the head every time you turn the news on with, you know, figures, horrible, horrible figures without any context. Yeah. If, no, it's, it's, it's kind of unrelenting. And I think that's the real, um, noticeable thing about this particular lockdown that there's no kind of end in sight and we're kind of trying to to find bits of hope wherever we can you mentioned there um homeschooling that's definitely something that you know we've had to navigate in my house and uh trying to work at the same time and everything's happening in the same space in the same room um so that's definitely something that i have found challenging to say the least and it um, makes you end up having a weird, weird relationship with your house because this was solace you know this 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 was my my safe place this was where when i shut the door the rest of the world stayed outside um obviously i have to like i, I work on music and stuff at home and I, it, there's bits that i'll do at home but largely i was able to to do most of my work elsewhere yeah. um, now it, it you know, I, I don't want to associate home with the stresses of work, of which there are many, you know, be it a gulp or Giz and Greens. They're two startups. There's a hell of a lot of work that has to be done and it's stressful. And then that has an impact on your relationship because you're coming off of a phone which has stressed you out and you wouldn't normally have that conversation in earshot of your partner. No, no, Let alone no. straight away then have the conversation and relay everything that's just happened on it. 
And then it's like this stuff shouldn't be bleeding into our relationships. So you've got people at home who are suffering all of these things. I mean, we're lucky we have space, but we are still somewhat on top of each other, right? Which is just different. It's a really, we're going to look back on it and be happy that we were able to spend this much time together because there'll probably never be another time in our lives when we will. But I don't need to say that it, it doesn't present issues. And for people in, you know, when I think about how I grew up, there were six of us in a three bedroom flat. If I was in that situation now, how would I, would I navigate that? There's a growing feeling that there should be money devoted to well-being, just kind of making sure that everyone's kind of okay in terms of the the trauma that, that we've all kind of gone through varying degrees. And sort of, I wonder, do you think that that's, that's something that, that should be, that should be put in place and, and is it as is it as simple as here's money and no nothing ever is is it mm. no, nothing throwing money at stuff is is never never you know i mean it's a, obviously things cost money so to facilitate the support that people are going to need we're going to need money but just throwing money at something doesn't i mean it i just think we you know we all too often we we we, we have a government that will be seen to be doing just enough to be seen to be doing something, but never actually doing quite enough. You know, I've, I've heard I've heard politicians say they're proud of our food banks. It wasn't something that made me very happy mm. when I heard that. Is that we? I'm I'm proud of the people that volunteer. Yeah. And I was at uh, a food bank in Streatham recently, um, and it's the size. It's a, um, I forget the name of the church, but it's the size of a small supermarket. But most of the donations are personal donations. Right. Wow. They're not from corporation. Mm. And um, most of their workers are volunteers. Mm. They have 150 people working there. Yeah. And, uh, and they can facilitate half of the demand. Yeah, yeah. And this is not people, I think there's like, there's a real sort of like, there's a really sort of shallow parody of of the working class and, and of those less privileged mm. and the picture of someone who uses a food bank. Yeah. yeah. The reality of it is much different. In part two of our exclusive chat with Professor Green, Jimmy talks to him about the launch of Giz and Green. Let's do an ad break now. Hit subscribe to Hear the Leader every day at 4pm. In this part of our lockdown session with Professor Green, Jimmy talks to him about the negative effects of social media on our mental health and why he opened a restaurant during a pandemic. Jimmy is the Evening Standard's chief food critic after all positive things that you can do and ways to build up or maintain a social network at this time and get that kind of interaction with people and it does seem that Giz and Greens which was born from your um Monday night fake away was it uh yeah when I was stuck in Morocco and Gizzy was teaching me how to to make all of my favorite takeaways Um, and it's and it's kind of transformed into something that I mean uh, how has it what has this been like for you like personally to have come through this experience with a new kind of line of your, you're now a restaurateur and now you're uh, a... I I feel so, 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 so lucky. We opened the restaurant right in between, I think it was between the first and the second lockdown. And I thought we were, I was like, Gizzy, we're crazy. And she was like, we're doing it. Because we were going to build a, we were going to start out with a pizza delivery business. So it was going to be a virtual brand and delivery only. And then we got the opportunity to do the pop-up at Paso on Old Street. I was like, Gizzy, this is a big old place. Like, are you sure we should be opening a pizza pop-up in the middle of a pandemic? She's like, we're doing it. Okay, all right, I'm going to follow your lead on this one. And it would, you know what, it actually went in our favour because 
we didn't have to do any work in the restaurant as far as socially distancing people because it was so big that people were by default socially distanced. Yeah. We sold over 16,000 pizzas in two months. It was <laughs> insane, like the response to it. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it is quite a refined pizza. Mm. You know, it is, we use a, a rye bigger proper sourdough. It's, it's proof for two days at, uh, the bread station where we get our dough from in Hackney. Um, you know, so we were able to facilitate at the same time. It wasn't just about us having success as a restaurant. We were able to unfurlough people. Yeah. We were able to give people business and this is what's forgotten. Right. I saw a meme the other day about the hospitality industry being to blame for the snow or something. And I was like, it was, it was, you know, the hospitality industry is such a huge contribution to this mm. country. Yeah. And Actually, is it's quite weird when you think about the places where COVID is spreading versus the places that have shut down. Because actually, when you're forced to sit in a restaurant that is socially distanced and people are obeying rules, it it seems weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. makes sense to me that. Yeah, well, I think that the point you made there about unfurloughing people and then giving them a sense of um calm and sort of helping their mental health and enabling them to sort of be able to work and, and contribute and it seems like for you it was really important as well in terms of being able to be active and to be able to do something and something born from born yeah. from crisis really like and and that's, you know what, that's been the story of my life jimmy mm. that's that's literally everything in my life has been born from crisis almost almost everything um <laughs> It's, it's, yeah, I guess it's one of, it's probably one of my better talents. Yeah, yeah. Taking, taking something bad and, and, and putting a positive spin on it. Where do you fall on the side of social media and its kind of impact on people's mental well well-being at this time and sort of the use of it? And personally, how have you navigated it? Obviously, you're, you know, you've got huge, huge following on Twitter and Instagram, especially, and it's clearly given you so much, but do you have a, love hate with it do you kind of turn it off sometimes forcibly i I've, social media is a bit like a gun <laughs> bear, bear with me a gun doesn't kill anyone on its own you know it has to be picked picked up aimed and, and fired doesn't it social media is something that we choose to use i don't think it in itself is negative i i hope in the years to come we're going to look back and think jesus we had this incredible way of connecting everyone on the planet and we used it so, so, so stupidly for vanity and for, you know, it was completely mispurposed and then we'll get it right because it is wonderful, right? There's, there's no doubt about it. When used correctly, it is one of the most incredible things in the world. But then there's like, you have all of, almost everything at your fingertips and you end up looking at bloody videos of cats that are scared of cucumbers my cat by the way is not scared of cucumbers i tried to scare her with one and she she wasn't scared Um, great content if she was (laughs) but but most searched thing on the internet apparently cats and babies um but i think it's a listen i think it comes down to consumption man like if you've seen super size me you know what happens if you have mcdonald's every for every meal every day it's no good for you um, my great grandmother always used to say a little bit of what you like won't hurt you mm. sort of true over time mm. things you know can accumulate and they, they, they will um, but I think it's, it is down to, to to your control of your consumption mm. um, 
it's like the news, you know, I, I don't watch the news as often as I would normally because I, I cannot bear to be affected yeah. the way I didn't realize I was in, was initially because it was so negative. You can't yeah. watch something that negative and that repetitive and not be affected by it. So for my own well-being, I switched off. I like being up to date on current affairs, but I choose which channels I use to, to keep up to date on yeah. things outside of Corona. Yeah. Because I can't bear to see the numbers and statistics. The most, I think the one thing that we could all encourage each other to do is just take care of each other. If there's any good to come from it, it's, you know, maybe we made an effort to look after each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of weird. It's the first time in our lifetimes that the entire world has suffered the same thing at the same time. And I don't know, we don't feel any more connected. Same situation. You were stuck at home. You were sort of going through it at a time when, a lot of people in the public eye have kind of... In Dubai. Yes, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean to, to sort of maybe play devil's advocate for a moment, we're talking about mental health and people struggling. A lot of people will probably, they might say that, oh, they needed that or they were in a bad place or whatever. Like, how do you kind of approach that as someone in the public eye? And obviously we've seen a few celebrities and notable people get in trouble for kind of not necessarily following the rules in the same way like how have you navigated that through this time and how do you feel about people that the sort of the Dubai set that kind of uh seemingly uh went off there and camped out there to sort of uh, I just think I'll be, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest yeah and did listen there's people I know that this might offend but I think people are tone deaf hmm. yeah like, are you not looking at what's going on in the rest of the world? Same way, enjoy yourself, do what you're doing and do what you can do, right? That's that's all any of us can do, really. And yeah. I, I get that side of it. But same way, I think, like, it, it just, some of it just feels a bit tone deaf. Like, people are, are suffering. Like, mm-hmm. people are suffering anyway, way before COVID. You know what I mean? Like, and I just, I, I just, yeah, I think sometimes people will lose track of the vibe a little yeah. bit. They get a little bit, yeah, a little bit lost as to what the actual, the that's, kind of that's the point the at which your, that's the point at which your background glitches out and it reveals that you're actually in like Abu Dhabi or like you're uh, on a on a beach somewhere and you've. Uh, <laughs> hey, I would I would love nothing more than to than to be on a beach, but it's it's not the time for it, man. Yeah, it's yeah. not the time for it. You know, I I. I do as as much as I have to and as little as I have to, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the most, I think the one thing that we could all encourage each other to do is just take care of each other. If there's any good to come from it, it's, you know, maybe we made an effort to look after each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of weird. It's the first time in our lifetimes that the entire world has suffered the same thing at the same time. And I don't know, we don't feel any more connected. And that's the leader. If you've been affected by anything in this edition, there is help out there. Call Mind on 0300 123 3393. That's 0300 123 3393. The leader is back tomorrow at 4 pm.